Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Today at 11 o'clock in our, in our traditional service is our first family service uh, where we're inviting many of our, our children to come. Instead of having kids worship today, they'll, they'll be in here. And our scripture today actually comes from scriptures that our children have been studying this winter here in church together about Elijah and Elisha and particularly about God's heart. And they've been learning how God has a, a heart full of kindness. And as we look at how can our hearts reflect God's hearts, I'm reminded reminded of how we can easily uh, seek what is good in, in ways that aren't good. How many of you have ever seen some of the movies in the Despicable Me series? Has, has anybody seen, seen a few of those? They're about a supervillain named Gru uh, and his minions who speak their own unique language. These little yellow people who follow him and they speak and, and they, go, they go on all these adventures usually trying to, to, to commit crimes. Yet you can see in his heart, he, he actually at the core has, has a good heart. And we learn in his backstory as a child that he came from a family of supervillains. And like many boys, all he ever wanted to do was what his daddy and granddaddy did. And he wanted to be good at it. And he thought it was something good for the world for him to be uh, a supervillain. Uh, that, that was what he looked up to as, as something that, that was quite good. And when, when other kids at school teased him about it, it, it made him quite upset because he couldn't understand why you wouldn't want to, to do this with your life. It's, it's easy for us to look sometimes at what we know about the world and think that that's how things are supposed to be, think that that's good, it, and then say, well, that must be how God is. That's called making God in our image, right? But we're made in God's image, and, and we have to seek out that image. I remember uh, hearing an interview with Larry King, the, the famous interviewer, and they, they were asking him uh, right after he retired, they said, what is the one interview you most wanted to do that you did not get to do. And without hesitation, he said, Osama bin Laden. I wanted to interview Osama bin, bin Laden. I was so upset when he was not taken alive because I had a whole plan for how I would get that interview. And then they asked Larry King, they said, what would you have asked him? And he said, well, I'll tell you what I would not have asked him. He said, I would not have asked him, how could you do such a thing? He said, what you need to understand is that everybody thinks of themselves as the good guy. Now, nobody wakes up in the, or very few people wake up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror and think they're bad guys. They think they're good guys. He said, so instead of saying, how could you do such a thing, which would cause him to give me this whole ideological spiel, he said, I would have simply said, hey, you gave up wealth and leisure to sacrifice and live in the desert and be hunted, how, how did you make that sacrifice? He said, because then I would have gotten his, his real story. Now, it led him to an evil place, but he would have told me the story better if I'd asked this. 
we all tend to think of ourselves as good, no matter how far from good we've, we've gone. I, I, I think today Vladimir Putin is waking up in Moscow, combing his hair, looking in the mirror, going, I'm killing it. I'm, I'm doing great. Look, look at me. Because of his ideology, he goes to church and he hears a gospel preached uh, in the Russian Orthodox Church that tells him that God wants to create a holy Russian empire. I don't know where that is in the Bible, but people, no matter what they do, they tend to think of themselves as good. We can too. And sometimes we can do it when what we're doing is anything but kind and good. So we need to look to the Bible. We need to look to Jesus Christ to show us what is kind what is good and how can we live like that? Because in our minds, we'll rationalize and make excuses to make whatever we do kind and good because that's how we want to see ourselves. So I want to share with you uh, that I encourage you to start every day in our Bible reading plan. If you haven't already done so, you can find it at concordunited.org Bible. You can also pick up a plan at the uh, printout copy at the information center in the lobby. It gives you a Bible reading for each day uh, on the website concordunited.org slash Bible. You can find a daily devotion, an email or podcast form that will help you go deeper into the scripture and have a prayer focus for the day. It's an important way to start our days because we're so good at making excuses and we're so good at rationalizing that what we're doing is kind and good. Uh, you probably can uh, re remember this. Um, think about when you were a kid, right? Uh, you could make excuses real quick. Let's say you, you got to school and you didn't have your homework, right? I mean, you, you might have 30 seconds to think of an excuse. You'd have one, right? You would have a good excuse. I want you to know, excuses have changed over the years. Like when, when I was growing up, you know, we, we had excuses uh, like dog ate my homework or, you know, uh, my parents uh, made me go to my grandparents and I didn't have my books there to, to do the work. I promise I'll do it tonight. That's no longer, I, I interviewed some kids. That's no longer the excuse. The excuse now is my Wi-Fi went out and I couldn't get on my Chromebook, right? Uh, it's changed, but we still got them and we got them quick, right? We, we got them quick. Or, or this, this is one of my, one of my favorites. Um, why, you know, why'd you hit your brother or sister? Why, why'd you hit them? Well, you know, think about it. It doesn't take you long. Well, they hit me, okay? Or they looked at me, you know? Or they did that thing, you know, that thing, right? If you've had a brother or sister, you've probably used those excuses. But we don't just exhibit expertise in excuses when we're young, we, we grow in our ability actually as we age, right? Um, th think about this. Um, imagine uh, that your significant other leaves home and asks you as they're leaving that day, they have to go to work, but you have the day off. And they say, could you please do this one thing? And I, whatever it is, I want you to think of it as a reasonable chore, not an unreasonable ask, Maybe it's folding laundry. Maybe it's mowing the lawn. But something that you have plenty of time to do, right? Plenty of time to do. Uh, and then they come home and it's not done. What do you say? What do you, I interviewed some of you. I have the results. Most common answer, I'm sorry, I've just been working so hard. I'm so tired. I, I just needed to rest. 
Now, that's the most common answer. Most creative answer. I got to tell you, I, I'm not even going to tell you the name of the person who told me this one because, man, they're, ooh. Um, they said, I would think, he, they, they said, no matter who they were, I would think of that one thing around the house that I know how to do, that they don't know how to do, that they have no idea how it's done. And I'm going to tell them that that thing needed to be done and it took me all day and I slaved away at it, but I got it done. That person who told me that may or may not have been a lawyer and I may or may not call them next time I need help. Uh, but we, we have that ability, right? We can come up with a, a, a great excuse. You know, you leave home 15 minutes too late, you're late to work, traffic. Can you believe this all, Kingston Pike level road, good grief. You know, we, we, we're, we're, quick, we're quick with it. Um, but there's a way when we look at God that can allow us to live our lives without having to constantly think up excuses. Because excuses, they may come naturally to us, but they take up a lot of energy. And if we can learn and look and find out the nature of God's kindness, what we can discover is that kindness allows us to spend our lives living our dreams rather than dreaming up excuses. If you've spent too much of your life dreaming up excuses, it might be that if you can look into God's heart and you can discover the nature of God's kindness, you can find a life where you don't have as many things to make excuses for anymore because you've begun to see what, what can really be done and how others can be treated. Uh, and the worst type of excuses are the ones where we treat somebody in a manner that we regret and then we have to look in the mirror and we're not happy at what we see when we look in the mirror. And so then we have to give excuses to ourselves. We have to keep on dreaming up excuses and lies and we have to keep on telling them to ourselves until we actually believe them so we can feel good again. Learning the kindness of God is like preventative maintenance. It's, if you have a building or a vehicle, you know that uh, if you drive it too much or you live in it too much uh, without going back and fixing some things that aren't quite broken yet, but they're going to be broken if you don't do something, eventually that car is going to break down. Uh, eventually that house is going to look awful and things aren't going to work well. You need preventative maintenance. Kindness is preventative maintenance for our souls. That keeps us from ha having to do those awful uh, excuse-laden exercises in lying to ourselves that keeps us from getting to a point where our ego has become so fragile that we're scared we can't face the truth uh, because we couldn't handle it. So we tell ourselves a different story and try to believe it. So we're going to look at a passage that at first glance may not seem to be about kindness, but in which we see the very character of God's kindness. It comes to us from 2 Kings, and this is 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, beginning with uh, verse 15. And we're to, uh, it's going to use the phrase, the man of God. Uh, when it talks about the man of God, it's talking about Elisha. You remember, he was a follower of Elijah, uh, but Elisha, uh, after Elijah was taken up in a, a chariots of fire, Elisha was left to deal with the mess that was left behind and became like the chief prophet of that time. So I want you to hear about this experience. What has happened is that Israel has been at war 
and there's been another nation uh, that has been seeking uh, to invade Israel. And God has given Elisha uh, foreknowledge of these invasions. And he's shared this foreknowledge with the king of Israel so that every time this neighboring country attacks, the Israelites are well prepared and know exactly when they're coming and can have their, their armies entirely ready for the threat and avoid the ambushes. Well, eventually, uh, the neighboring king figures out that Elisha is the one who's been the spy. He's been the one tipping off the king about these raids and when they're and where they're coming and so the neighboring king creates an entirely reasonable plan he sends his army to assassinate Elisha and this is what happens when an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out with went out an army with horses and chariots was all around the city his servant said alas master what shall we do Elisha replied, do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Then Elisha played, prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw, and the mountain, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, please, with blindness. Don't you love that he said, please? Like, he's about to be slaughtered. He said, please, manners matter, right? Um, he said, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. In other words, for you Star Wars folks, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And he led them to Samaria. Okay? As soon as they... Now, Samaria is this area a little north of, of Israel uh, where... Uh, that was uh, completely out of the jurisdiction of the Arameans, uh, not quite in Israel, uh, but out of their jurisdiction and their power area. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O oh Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I strike them? Shall I strike them? He answered, no. Would you strike those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set food and water before them uh, so that they may eat and drink and let them go home. So he prepared for them a great feast. And after they ate and drank, he sent them on their way and they went to their master and the Arameans no longer came raiding into the land of Israel. There's so much there. That is wonderful. There's so much there to remember, like the servant of Elisha, that sometimes we look and we see an army encamped against us. And what we can't see is God's army of angels and chariots of fire completely surrounding us and protecting us. Uh, so Elisha was able to look out at this great challenge and say, no, no, no. It may look like an army is coming against us, but there are more of us than there are of them. And then what we see is that Elisha, has several options. Uh, God's there. He's got an army. He could have prayed, Lord, send down your flames uh, and slaughter this army. Consume them with fire. That had been done before. Elijah uh, had uh, 
prayed for fire to come down against the prophets of Baal. That's not what Elisha does here. Uh, and later, as he, lead, he prays that they be blinded, and he leads them out. Uh, but then when he leads them out, uh, God gives them their sight back. God's, God's a God of kindness, and they see that they're surrounded. And the king of Israel says, now should I slaughter them? And Elisha says, no. He says, be kind to them. Let them go. They know who's in charge now. They, they won't be back. And they do. And they don't come back. What we find here is this kindness. Kindness is not weakness, naivety, or manipulation. Often uh, people present it that way in our world. Uh, that people, when we're kind, it's, it's just because we're weak. Because we don't stand up for ourselves. That wasn't at all how we see God's kindness at work in the story of Elisha or in our lives. Kindness is not weakness. Elisha did not allow them that simply to come in and try to be kind to appease them. Uh, no, that, that's, that's not at all what it was. And it's not naivete. It's not uh, somehow be believing uh, that this world uh, is uh, just full of wine and roses. Uh, that, that's not it. Nor is it manipulation. Simply that we act kind to others, even though we have ulterior motives in our heart, but we, we act kind just in order to try and get what we want. We act kind not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's strategic, right? That's, that's not what God's kindness is either. And if we think of kindness in those ways, we can't see the goodness of God's kindness. But when we look, there are elements there are elements here uh, of the nature of God's kindness. One of the things we see is that kindness is giving others the most charitable interpretation, right? Now, it's not failing to recognize a threat or uh, not being honest about how messed up people can be, but it's giving others the most charitable interpretation. It's looking at someone uh, who may be a threat, uh, who may be quite messed up, and saying, I don't know how you got to be where you are. Uh, and there, but the grace of God go I. And then dealing with it as you need to. It's looking at others maybe who are in a different stage. And saying, is there, is there a way I can see how in this situation I would be doing what they're doing? And generally, if you can put yourselves in their shoes you'll end up giving them the most charitable interpretation. You'll, you also may end up figuring out the best way to, to deal with them, but looking at others and giving them uh, the best interpretation, not the worst. Elisha could have looked at that opposing army and he could have seen them as a bunch of punks and a bunch of thugs uh, who'd been sent out as mercenaries to slaughter an innocent prophet but he looked at them as a lot of men who had probably been conscripted at a young age to serve the army of a king who may or may not have their best interest at heart, who are hoping that they'll be able to go home safely to their mothers and to their wives, and who are just there trying to do their job that day. That's how he chose to, to, to look at them. And he requested the king to spare their lives so they could go home to their mothers and to their wives. Kindness gives the most charitable interpretation. 
And then kindness looks for opportunities to bless others. Looks for opportunities to bless others. I remember when I was in seminary one day, uh, I, a friend, some friends that we'd been out to dinner, we came home, uh, my roommate and I went into our apartment. Shortly thereafter, there was a knock on our door. We assumed it was one of our classmates who lived two doors down, who often came over because his wife did not like the, when the TV was turned to ESPN. And that was about the only channel we turned it to. Uh, and so we, we assumed he'd, he'd come over to hang with the guys. Uh, and very soon thereafter, two young men confronted us and put a gun in our face and uh, said, give us everything you have uh, or um, you, we'll pull the trigger. And uh, interestingly enough, I had $6 in my pocket. Uh, when he asked me why I didn't have more money, I said, I'm studying to be a preacher. And it took, even in that moment with my life on the line, it took everything in me not to add on to that phrase and say, why didn't you rob someone from the business school? <laughs> but I held it in. I, I, I held it in. It was, it was quite a, it was quite a scary situation, uh, but it ended uh, with uh, both of us okay. It ended with the police coming to our apartment and taking fingerprints, and it ended with one of the perpetrators uh, being picked up, put in a lineup, and I was able to pick him out of the lineup uh, at the uh, local uh, sheriff's office. He eventually was convicted uh, and spent some time in jail uh, when he when he went to jail, uh, he began to write me letters. Uh, I'm a little irritated he had my address. Uh, but he would tell me how much his family needed him and how he needed me to drop the charges. And I had to think about this. How can I respond in a way that is wise and kind? And how can I give him the most charitable interpretation? I don't know how he grew up. I know from talking to the police, most likely what was going on wasn't some incredible grab trying to get a lot of money. It was most likely an initiation into a local gang where you had to perform a robbery in order to enter the gang. Uh, and I don't know what it was in his life that he didn't have a strong enough community to keep him from seeking the community that the gang seemed to be offering to provide for him. But what I did was I wrote him back. Every time he wrote me, I, I wrote him back. I changed addresses, uh, and I never put a return address on my uh, envelopes. But what I told him is the charges are between you and the state of North Carolina, but you have my forgiveness, and you have my prayers. And um, I, I would often make comments on his family situation and, and how he might could be uh, a good uncle and a good brother and a good son when, when he got out. Uh, kind, but not naive, not, not being walked on, but, but kindness, looking at others with the most charitable interpretation. We see this in world events too. We look at World War I, and what happened at World War I uh, was uh, a truce was established uh, that took out terrible penalties against the, the country of Germany. And while some penalties uh, were assuredly uh, deserved, they were so harsh that there was no way for the country of Germany to prosper in the future after those penalties. Uh, 
And so the people of Germany, uh, being beat down and shamed by the treaty, became susceptible uh, to the nationalist narcissism uh, that they found uh, in the fascism offered by Adolf Hitler. And we were given World War II and the Holocaust. And then after World War II, what happened? The Marshall Plan happened. The plan to, to rebuild. Uh, the plan to, to bless even those that we had fought against. And it led to one of the longest extended times of peace in Europe uh, in, a, in our history uh, that is only now being broken in Ukraine. How can we look to, to bless others? I, I remember when I was in my 20s, I had a, a, a businessman uh, in our congregation uh, and uh, he shared with me uh, that he had made some of his money the right way and some of his money the wrong way. Uh, but he took me out to, to lunch often and, and he said, uh, Here, here's what I need you to do. He said, over lunch, uh, I, I need you to tell me, uh, to, to help me learn uh, more about the Bible and God's rules for life. And tell you what, here's how I'm going to repay you. I'm going to teach you how the devil plays his game because I've spent some of my life researching it. Uh, he he might have thought a little bit highly of himself. He hadn't done that bad stuff. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think if he, he really knew what some of the other people were doing around there. Uh, but one of the things he shared with me from his experience in the business world, he said, do you know what I've learned? That he said, there are just gonna be times in life, in business, when you're in conflict with someone, when you're in competition, when you're in conflict and when there's, you look for the win-win and you can't find it. And when you have to try and get your way over and opposed to their way. And he said, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. He said, you'll figure out what to do when you lose, but I want you to know what I've learned to do when, when I win. He said, when you've got your enemy, somebody who's been coming at you, somebody who's been trying to pull you down, somebody who's been trying to destroy you, uh, once you've defeated them, the moment you knock the sword out of their hand, the moment they're not a threat anymore, you bend down and you pick them up. He said, that's what you do. Somewhere in, in his world, uh, he had learned about God's kindness. He'd learned what Elisha had learned, that when the soldiers had been removed uh, from being a danger, you let them go. God's heart is a heart full of kindness. This is how God treats us, right? We know this because this is how God is with us. Does God have a wrath? Yes, God has wrath. But uh, as the great Christian philo or theologian, I believe it was Karl Barth said, God's wrath is nothing more than the redeeming fire of God's love. Look, look at how Jesus treats people. It, Jesus will say say things like, you crooked and perverse gen generation. Uh, there are times when you can just see, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but there are times when you can see Jesus almost pulling his hair out because people just don't get it. But the moment someone becomes humble, the moment someone turns to him and says, Lord, forgive me, Lord, show me, there's nothing but grace, right? There's nothing but kindness, it was that way for the thief on the cross who said, Jesus, remember me this day when you come into your kingdom. A lot of people would have looked at that thief who was hanging beside Jesus and said, he doesn't deserve it. 
He's just saying that now because he's going to die. He's just trying to save his own skin. If he'd really meant that, he could have changed years or months ago, but no, now he does it. Well, that might be how we look at people, but that's not how God does. God looks at people, and no matter what it took to make you sincere, if you become sincere, if you become truly repentant, uh, truly humble before God, if you truly come to God in need, God's not going to fail to answer that prayer. God's not going to look on you with wrath, uh, but with, with love. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, if this life was about getting what we deserve, it wouldn't work out well for us, would it? It, ju- it just wouldn't work out well for us. Uh, if, if, if at the end of my life, uh, you know, if we go up to heaven and they, they do like an instant replay of our lives uh, and they're like checking off all the good things and bad things we've done, man, I, boy, I, I'd rather not be there for that, right? But what, what we're told is our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west and God welcomes us with, with kindness and then that is how we're taught to welcome one another. Let's pray that we can have the courage to be kind. Gracious God, we see that your kindness is not an element of your weakness, but of your great strength. Give us the courage and the strength to be kind, uh, to give the most charitable interpretation of others, uh, to look for opportunities to bless others, even when we could seek uh, revenge. Oh Lord, help us as we to look to you in the ways you have loved us, the ways you have forgiven us, the ways in which you have poured out your loving kindness upon us and let us show that same kindness to one another all the days of our lives until we dwell together in your kingdom for all eternity. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus our Christ, and we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.